We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Gibbons with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Bill 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors, this is Field the 68 after dark. Hello and welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I got Doug Gottlieb with me. I got Matt McCall with me. We're presented by our partners over at Bet MGM, and we have so much good college basketball to break down today, guys. We had a thriller in Providence as Providence took down Butler in overtime. We had one of the best games I've ever seen with FAU and Arizona in double over uh, double overtime there. We caught up with Nellie Davis, not Janelle Davis. It is Nellie Davis, and we're going to break down Memphis and why they are a threat to be able to make a deep run into the tournament. We also we got coming up our midseason awards. We got mid uh, midseason first team All Americans. We got midseason Player of the Year. We got midseason Coach of the Year, and we might even let Matt McCall go off script with who he's going to pick for his midseason Freshman of the Year. But before we do all of that, boys, UConn won. Can you see what that is right there? Can you read that? Uh, it's some kind IPA of dark there. IPA. Okay, some kind of. It's oh. not a Coors Light. I know that. It's definitely it's not a Coors Light. Sexual jams. It's called sexual jams. Can you see that, McCall? There we go. We're going to pour okay. it up. We're celebrating a nice W today. UConn beats Rick Pitino at St. John's in his first trip back to the Big East. Doug, I'm going to you first on this one, man. What, yeah. do, you, what do you make of this UConn team without Donovan Klingon? And uh, Samson Johnson stepped in. I think it was 18 points he had. Um, I think it was a pretty impressive performance for him going up against a guy in Joel Soriano who was an all-Big East caliber big guy. Uh, first thing is, have we determined what's going on with Rick Pitino's hair color? Do we have a – do we, we we discuss a little bit? It, it's a it's like a Sandy Brown there. It's like, man, somebody somebody's – that's when, like, everybody's scared of coach. Like, man, you tell him. I don't want to tell him. You tell him. You know, you know what it is? It's like when Brad Underwood went to Illinois and his hair got just a little bit orange. That. You know, I guess the color of the school that you go – he just wants to match in with the uniforms. That's what it is. <laughs> The red storm, I get it. I, I, I get it. Um, th- there is the, the the eerie parallels to last year, right, where they dominant non-conference and all of a sudden you get in the league and, and get 
get curb stomped the other night, and now you survive St. John's. So that's, I think, some of it. They're not going to be as good without Donovan Klingon because he's that good. But, um, you know, I, I just didn't – I mean, look, it's th- these games are always hard because it's right before break. I'm sure despite the fact that they struggled at least on some level in Big East play last year, it's still – it's hard to get the fact that they're St. John's and St. John's hasn't been great outside of the make the Michigan win to start the year as well. So there's some of that. But they don't really – have a dude like Tristan Newton had been playing a level probably above how good he actually is, but they don't have a takeover a game guy. They just don't. And without Klingon, now all of a sudden, look, you start to go to your bench and it's not as much, obviously when the guy that replaced him goes for 18, you're like, okay, but now whoever his backup is, is your third string big guy. So Mm -hmm. no one has depth in college basketball. It just doesn't exist. They're one of the deepest teams and even they go about seven or eight, you know, in terms of quality player. But I think when you consider how quickly you had to turn around after after getting beat pretty handily, um, the fact that you are going to be different, especially the defensive end, maybe more so than the offensive end, um, I still think they got in some of their stuff. And it's not a perfect team. I don't think anybody thought they would be as good as they were last year, and they're probably not. I think some of their early season success is probably a little bit more surprising because of some of the losses last year. That's... Uh, but again, the landscape of the sport is I still think they'll have a chance to win it because, uh, you know, they didn't actually beat a lot of the, any of the top teams to win the national championship last year. And even the top teams we saw, we'll get to Arizona. Like, they're not dominant. They don't have a dude. So within this sport, they're not as good when you lose your center. And then, of course, when your backup becomes your starter, now his backup, that's a major step down. They have to change how they do things, especially the defensive end, because he's such a presence at the rim. St. John's, obviously, this is a game in which now all of a sudden they can erase everything. And Rick Pitino figures out his team. The guy knows what he's doing. And then I I also think it's league play. And most league games are going to be like this. McCall, winning is hard, right? (laughs) I'm not going to go there this early in the show. Okay? And I'm going to be Mr. Positive. You know how I always am. Um Winning is hard, but I, I said this the other night, and, and, and I want to go back on this statement because, you know, when you saw the environment in there tonight, and I, and I made the comment just about playing a conference game right before Christmas break, and where's your mind at? And as a coach, you know, if you bring in, you know, a low major team, if you're, if you're, if you're bringing in a bye game, you're very concerned about where your team is at mentally. You're very concerned. But you're playing a conference game, versus Rick Patino and St. John's, and you have them in your own arena, everybody's locked in. And that environment was unbelievable tonight. And that's the last game before Christmas break. If you're Danny Hurley, those guys, they can go on Christmas break, and everybody has a good break. They won the conference game after they lost the other night. So I go back on my statement the other night, like you're better off playing a game like that right before Christmas than having a bye game where you're concerned about where's your team at mentally. Um, you know, I, I think – First of all, the spread was 11 and a half in the game, which to me is crazy without Klingon. You have Rick Pitino on the other sideline. I mean, that, that, that is, that's unbelievable. Um, they didn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter, but they found a way to win the game. I mean, the bottom line. And Coach Hurley's teams are going to defend. They're going to play with tremendous effort. Um, you know, like Doug said, who, who's that dude? Who, who are you putting the ball in their hands with the game on the line? But they found a way to win the game without a starting five, man. 
who protects the rim. And they're going to have to learn how to play with him because it sounds like he could be out here for not a significant period of time, but he's going to be out for, you know, some more games. And they just got to find ways to win games without him. Um, and that's what they did tonight. And, you know, St. John's, are they the cream of the crop in the Big East? No. Do they have one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball? Yes. Who's going to inspire, who's going to figure out his team, who continues to figure out his team. And that 11.5-point spread today was like, are you kidding me without their five-man? And that was a high-level Big East basketball game, which is what the Big East is going to be. And it's it's going to come down to the little things, who makes plays coming down the stretch of games, 50-50 balls and all things like that. And UConn found a way to do that and close the game out. And that's the most important thing. Here's the thing, Rob, and, and Matt, you tell me if you agree or disagree. You know, a lot of times, and this is why – the net and any sort of statistical ranking of a team doesn't actually equate and compute. Okay. Because everybody you're different at every time of the year. And so take St. John's for a second. Like right now, despite the fact they haven't been great in the non-conference, it's a whole new life. Like we're all in coaches figured it out, got a rotation. Now, if this exact same game is played with again, without clinging, in February, and say St. John's is three and ten in league, different ball game, different ball game because you got guys that are they're already in the portal. Even if they're not in the portal, they're already checked out, you know. And right now, UConn was coming off of getting thumped, you know. They're like, man, are we any good? And St. John's probably a little bit of blood in the water, knowing what happened to UConn the other night, and no clinging. And the fact that they have new life. So I think all of these things are true. Again, that doesn't excuse a team for not playing as well as they should or losing a game, whatever. But it, what it does is it gives context to a game. And, I mean, one of the best things about UConn is here we are December. What, what day is it? Is today the 23rd? 23rd? 23rd, yeah. Right? And great atmosphere. Okay? You don't always get a great atmosphere on those games. Part of it is St. John's. Part of it is Patino. Part of it is they won the national championship. Uh, that one was Hartford tonight, right? So mm-hmm. that that was a that was, that was a good atmosphere. So you can't blame the fact that you know it's half full. It was good energy. They didn't shoot the ball well. Five of eighteen from three. We mentioned Klingon, only one block shot. Okay, and St. John's had great energy because they still actually think. I mean, all we got to do is beat a couple of these top teams, and now we can get in the NCAA tournament. That's legitimately how it's going to work. So I think. Time of year sometimes can work in your favor or can change the complexion of a game. And I think that's in addition to the clinging injury, the loss earlier this week, but St. John's still believing because they don't have to cancel the rest of their season yet it is at least a, a partial factor as to why. Yeah, we've kind of tiptoed around it. Clinging is going to be out for three to four weeks. Um, and if you look at UConn's schedule, that means that best case scenario, he'll probably be back for uh, Georgetown at home, more likely Wednesday, January 17th, uh, Creighton at home in the interim. UConn is going to play DePaul uh, the day after New Year's, January 2nd. So they got a nine-day layoff. Then they get Butler away, Xavier away, and Georgetown at home. So it's not honestly the soft worst start. stretch. For, That's yeah. a soft it's start not- to their schedule. Yeah, if you look at the end of their schedule, their last six games are Marquette at home, Creighton away, Villanova at home, Seton Hall at home, Marquette away, Providence away, which is – that's one way to end a, end a, a conference play. Um, 
One question I do have, um, and I think we kind of touched on the the issues with Klingon and, and him being out. I mean, it's good. Samson's got to step up. Uh, Yusuf Samgari has got to be uh, capable of coming in and, and playing like five to ten minutes. And I think we're going to see some Alex Caravan at the five here for stretches as well. Um, my big question with UConn is that we are not seeing good shooting out of this team so far. They are uh, 33% from three on the season. They were five for 18 tonight. Part of it is good shooters like Alex Caravan aren't really making shots. Part of it is solo ball uh, has not been the guy that we thought he was going to be coming in. And I do kind of, I, I saw a stat going around the other day. They get more wide open threes than anybody uh, at the high major level by 25%. So they average about 15 wide open threes per game in the next best high major team is 12 wide open threes per game. And they're shooting, uh, about 32% of those three. So just real quick on on that. Is this something where it's fixable? Is that something where teams have kind of figured out, hey, we want to let those guys shoot? Or is this just eventually it's going to regress to the mean? Doug, why don't you take that first and Matt? Uh, I, I think it's it's a matchup thing. I mean, you, we mentioned that, you know, you got Samson Johnson. I mean, he had that – you guys saw that naked side ball screen where he took – was it four steps, Rob, or was it five? I mean, it was – it was, it, was, it was about seven. I cannot believe I can't believe it wasn't called trap. But the point is that there was literally nobody home because that's how you play UConn, right? You hug up to their shooters, okay? And if they throw it in the post, they throw it on a slip, like we'll live with that. Um, and you, you lost one of the great shooters in college basketball from, from last year. But, but I think, is it fixable? Yeah, you mentioned it, right? You put Caravan at the, at the five. And now all of a sudden, you got to guard all five spots. It's really hard. Um, the problem with that is now you have zero rim protection, you know. So you gotta you gotta do fainting goat defense at the rim and take charges. So you're gonna put <laughs> out one fire. Twenty twenty four. There's no you're charges gonna, anymore. I know nobody calls charges, so nobody takes them. Uh, you just gotta jump and do verticality. Uh, but but you you you're gonna put out one fire and start another one. So yeah, it, it's going to be an issue. They are not as good a shooting team, but I think there, there's there, there's a couple different parts to it. Uh, the first is that again, you mentioned you got some young players. I don't care how good a shoot. Very few guys as freshmen come in and shoot the ball well. They just don't. Just the reality to it. The more reps you get, the more time you get in the gym, the more comfort you get, the more the game slows down. So when you're when you're throwing out there two true freshmen at times, like they did tonight with Ball and uh, and and Castle, like you're just not going to shoot the ball great. Um, additionally, people are hugging up to him. I still think people struggle to guard their stuff because they really move it, and they have a lot of different false motions and movement to it. Um, and I think that you know you're trying to figure out one end or the other. And and Danny knows that you're going to win based upon your defense, even if the offensive adjustment will help you look better and look at make it look prettier. It's ultimately going to hurt you on defense. And I don't think this team has, is that as dynamic as last year's team uh, at either end that he thinks he can get away with being bad on defense. So I, I think some of it is lineup specific as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Doug on that too. You know, um, there was a play in tonight's game when Samson Johnson got a dunk off a single side pick and roll. And you could tell clearly – with Donovan Klingon being out of the game, I mean, Rick Pitino and his staff said, hey, look, we're taking threes away. There was a wide-open single-side pick-and-roll where there's three guys on the weak side of the floor 
and they just gave up the dunk because they're holding up to those shooters. There was no like where was the protection coming from? And I mean, I wrote it in my notes. For St. John's, I was like, man, they just gave up a dunk. Where's the protection coming from on that single side pick and roll? And then it's like, wait, they're hugging up on those shooters. They're not going to give up threes. And that's you can clearly tell with Donovan Klingon being out of the game that that's Rick Patino's game plan. Like, look, we're fine giving up twos. We're not fine with giving up twos, but if we give up a two, that's fine. We're not going to give up threes. And that's why those guys are all pressured out on the shooters and there was no help. The tag should have came from the bottom guy and the protection on the weak side, and it wasn't there. So I, I don't think it's a thing to be concerned about. Um, I, I think, you know, Coach Hurley runs great stuff. They get open threes. I think they're going to continue to get open threes. They didn't shoot a great percentage today. They've made threes on the year throughout the course of the season, and there's a lot of basketball left to be played. So to be concerned about three-point shooting, I think with Donovan clinging out, though, that's what teams are going to do. Take away threes. Let's make this game. You know, we're going to play it in the 60s. Let's see if we can hold them. If But we cannot give up threes because if we do, then it's going to be a long night. So what you're telling me is I shouldn't overreact to this, McCall? <laughs> you have the T-shirt? You have no, the I got to get one of I gotta, We got to get a Matt McCall. I don't, don't overreact to the T-shirt. All right. I want to pivot. I want to talk about FAU in Arizona. Um, that was that was such a fun basketball game. It's a shame that anybody had to lose that basketball game, and I hate when people say that. I hate that I just said it, but uh, it really is a fact that that was um, thrilling to watch. Uh, I'm sure it was even more thrilling to experience. Double overtime. I feel bad for the kids on both teams that had to go home and try to catch flights to get home and schedule it for like two and a half hours after the game, and then they had to rush to the airport to be able to make sure that they weren't delayed. But, McCall, I got to go to you first on this one. Our FAU Owls, 96-95, and double overtime. Janelle Davis, 35 points, nine boards, three assists, three steals. Jalen Gaffney out of nowhere, 20 points, five boards, four assists. Uh, I mean, this was – to me, this was the statement, right? Like, they were – everyone kind of knew who FAU was, but I think that they needed this kind of a win, first ever win – against the top 10 team in program history to kind of make that statement like, hey, look, remember us? Yeah, we're still here. Yeah, I thought there was a point in the game, too. I think it was like seven minutes to go in regulation, and FAU turned it over three straight times. John L. Davis missed the front end of a one-and-one, and then they came back the next possession and turned it over again. And during that stretch, um, you know, it, it was – you know, what's happening, what's going on. All of a sudden, Arizona, they drill a three, and it's kind of like, is FAU reeling? And this is what FAU has done, and they continue to do, is they just find a way to respond. And that's what happened last year in the NCAA tournament. They always found a way to respond. Like, think about this. Okay, in this game, they were out-rebounded, shot 13 less uh, field goals, shot less free throws, and found a way to win the game. Because at the end of the game – Elijah Martin and John L. Davis made plays with the game on the line. And here's the other thing about FAU. You know what you're getting from Elijah Martin, John L. Davis, and Vlad Golden. And there's been times where Elijah Martin, who missed two months over the summer and in the fall camp of practice, he's still trying to find his rhythm. But for the most part, those have been your three best players, and you know what you're getting from those three guys. And they stepped up with the game on the line, and Vlad Golden went down with a knee injury in the game. And you're kind of like, who stepped up? Rosado steps up in that game. It's the same thing. But if you look at Nick Boyd, Greenlee, or Gaffney, one of those guys always seems to rise to the occasion. And tonight it was Gaffney. 
and he was outstanding in this game. He made plays, mm -hmm. hit an unbelievable pass to find Rosado late in the game. I think it, it may have been in, in the second overtime where he found he found Rosado on an unbelievable pass underneath. Rosado gets fouled, goes to the line. But just it just seems like someone else, you know it's going to be Elijah, you know it's going to be John L. Davis, who played like and is one of the best guards in the country. Vlad Golden has played like all season, one of the best bigs in the country. And then Greenlee, Nick Boyd, Gaffney, which one of those guys steps up? Weatherspoon. They have depth. You know, like Doug talked about teams struggle with their depth and there's not a many deep college basketball teams. This team is deep. And it seems like someone else always finds a way to step up if another guy's not having his night. And watch Nick Boyd on the bench. Nick Boyd is celebrating everyone's success. And he's still trying to come back for an injury. And tonight it was Gaffney. And that was, that was a huge win for FAU. And still, I mean, Caleb Love, I mean, misses a layup, you know, down the stretch of the game. I mean, Arizona had their chances. But, man, that's a – and that was a pro-Arizona crowd out in Vegas. And FAU finding a way to win that game, that was a statement win for them, for sure. It was a great Doug. basketball game. It was a great basketball game. I mean, it's just one of those where you're like, oh, that was fun. Run that back. <laughs> right? You run it back. Now we got flights again. No, 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 run, run, run it back. Like, just you guys play as much as you want because it's really fun. Um, instead of getting into the FAU stuff, because one, Matt knows him like the back of his hand and he's right. The one thing I, only one thing I would add is what are we missing? Like, what are we missing in college basketball? And that's a high recidivist rate, you know? And, I mean, you take John L. Davis, right? Here's a kid who grew up in Indiana, right? Gary, Indiana, and scored a ton of points at, a, I think, a charter school and, you know, lightly recruited three points, eight points to a star, and then comes back, right? So their player development obviously is outstanding for the kids themselves, but also within their program. Those guys have developed. They've developed that cohesiveness. They have what everybody wishes they had in college basketball. Like, just give me four or five guys that are back from last year so I don't have to teach my culture every year. Um, whereas Arizona's, you know, Balo's back and some other pieces are back, but relatively new. I, I was actually impressed by Arizona in something they did in the second half to get back into the game, which is they pressured defensively. I think, Matt, you talked about it early on, which if there's been a knock on Tommy or if you go back to when they were at Gonzaga, before they got to the Final Fours, it's they're great on offense, but they don't really challenge you defensively. I thought today was a game which they, they challenged FAU, and FAU looked a little tentative for a while. They looked like, whoa, hold on now. You're not just going to let us run our stuff. Um, and I would also say that John L. Davis is a guy, and Matt, you pointed out, they have multiple guys that you feel like could take over a game. In watching Arizona this year, it's probably the thing that's missing. Like Davis thinks he is, but I mean, I don't know how many times we got to see a low, you know, high volume, uh, low efficiency make to go, I don't know if he is. So it could point out what Arizona is missing in a dude, right? Um, whereas John L. Davis and others seem to be the dudes for Florida Atlantic. Nonetheless, great college basketball game. And it's one of those where, you know, when all of us are, are doing chicken little sky is falling with this sport, that one goes like, well, it's not as good as it used to be. It's really screwed up, but Arizona, Florida Atlantic, that was fun. That was really, really good.
Yeah, think about it. It's Arizona and FAU gave us that high quality of a basketball game on national television on Big Fox on the Saturday before Christmas, and everybody was locked in. Listen, Doug, you mentioned Nellie Davis. Uh, we were able to catch up with him before he caught his flight, Southwest A1 seating, uh, back to Gary, Indiana for the holidays. Nobody tell him. Uh, no, no one tell anyone. Um, he's going to surprise his mom, so hopefully uh, Mrs. Davis is not watching the show let's get to that interview now nelly davis we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now let me welcome onto the field of 68 after dark, the star of the night and one of the best performances and one of the best games that we've seen in a long, long time. Nellie Davis, 35 points and a 96 to 95 double overtime win for our FAU Owls. Nellie, congratulations, man. That's a hell of a win. Appreciate it. Appreciate it for real. You talking about our Owls. Our Owls. Look, I am am an avowed FAU fan at this point and there's nothing I can do to hide it. I like that. I like that for real. So let me ask you this. I want to start you off with this question. Was that, where does that rank among the craziest games that you've ever played in? Probably, um, I had a, I had a historic game in a tournament too. So it's, it's, it's quite, I got a number, I got a one A and one B. We got a, we got a guest crash in the show here, Nelly. You know, Hey, you know, you beat my alma mater today, right? You went to Arizona? I did. I did. You lit him up, man. That yeah. that performance, I told Rob, that performance was one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. Not like I think it was the way you did it, though, Janelle. Like Nelly, sorry. We, we got to go with Nelly. Nelly. Um, the pace you play at, because you can play super fast when you want to, but then you really, really like you have an old man's game when you want to also. Describe your game for, for people watching, if you can. Uh, I try to take a little bit out of everybody. Like, uh, I watch a lot of Shea. I watch a lot of uh, – who else? I watch a lot – I was watching, like, uh, on, like, Kobe phase and stuff. I, I work on it every morning when I'm working out with, like, my guy Casey and stuff. And we and it's reps. And today I, I put it out. What does it say about you guys that you played – all of these high-profile games and all of these nationally televised games, and um, you've played Illinois and you've played Arizona and you've played teams that people are picking to get to the Final Four, and you're sitting here at ten and two, and you're sitting here ranked in the top fifteen, and it feels like you and Elijah still haven't had a game where both of you went off 
at the same point. Like it's kind of been, you know, he was dealing with his injury. You were playing well. Then he started getting hot and you didn't have your best game. We had one game. We had one game. We had one game. Texas A&M. That's right. Yeah, you're right. right. And look at what happened, right? Yeah. So what does it say about how how good you guys can be this year? Uh, Just uh, as long as we keep, stay, stay together and nobody split us off and we could be, we could be anybody in the country. Because we we got a bunch of dogs out there working for each other. Hey, I I thought it was a tough matchup for you today, to be honest. I thought Keyshawn Johnson, big, strong, athletic. Their guards weren't much bigger than you, but but I thought they had more size up front at that wing position. And against Illinois, Illinois hurt you with that, with with big wings. Uh, We played Keyshawn Johnson uh, last year in the uh, Final Four, so – I, I was I was familiar with him, and we knew we uh we knew the scout report on him, and we just came out there and executed. All right, we're gonna have a little fun with some of these questions now, Janelle. Um, I'm sorry, Nelly. So uh, the first oh. one is, is we were having a little bit of a discussion, Jeff and I, um, and we want to know where you rank now in the history of the greatest Nellies ever. Like we we determined that you're probably the best Nelly basketball player, but do you think that you rank above Nelly the rapper at this point in terms of the Nelly power rankings? Nah, he uh he set the tone with the Nelly because he got a he got a few Grammys and he got a lot of stuff. He been uh, he been here longer than me. So right, his so, thing so was the his thing was here. the bandaid under the eye. What are you are you gonna have? You need something. Nah, I just go out there and hoop. <laughs> are you are you going back home to, to Gary, Indiana for, for the holidays or no? Yeah, I am. All right, what I'm do you do? What do you do in Gary, Indiana for Christmas break? Like tell me what a typical Christmas is for you in, in, at home. I'm gonna work out on the twenty fourth, uh tomorrow probably. Just get some shots up, not not too much. But then on the twenty fifth, uh I'm uh we uh eat breakfast in the morning. My parents don't know I'm coming home. Oh you're surprising really? them? My parents don't know I'm coming home. Nah, they don't. You gotta, you got. Here's what you gotta do. No, you gotta get the camera phone out. You gotta get the iPhone out, and you gotta record your mom's reaction when you walk in the house. Yes. Welcome back to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of Sixty Eight After Dark. That was Janelle Davis and Matt McCall. Uh, I want to go back to you here because you had one more point that you wanted to make make on this uh, this this FAU program that you know so well. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, early in that game, you saw Arizona trying to impose their will. And I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, man, does Dusty May go big? Does he play Rosado and Vlad Golden together to try to negate the size of Arizona? And Because they're kind of getting hurt on the backboard. And no, Dusty continued to do what he does and what his team does and what his program does. Late in the game, with the game on the line and double overtime, he puts five guards in the game. And they switch everything to take away any kind of three uh, in that situation. He does what he does. That's culture. And we've talked about this before. Like Coaches throw out the term culture all the time. He believes in his guys. They're going to stick to what they do. And even early on in the game when maybe Arizona was trying to impose their will, especially in the front court, Coach May just continued to do what he has done since he's been a head coach. And I just think that's – that's super impressive. Trusting your players, trusting them in those situations, and not panicking when maybe it's not going a certain way. I thought that was completely evident in that basketball game. 
Yeah. Uh, Doug, real quick before we move on, I do want to ask you about Arizona. They've now lost two of their last three. Um, they looked for a while like – I mean, they were the number one team in the country two weeks ago. Um, are you are you worried about them at all? Is this just a byproduct of, of playing three straight games against teams that are currently top 11 on Kempom? Um, or is there something that you should – uh, that you think that fans should be really worried about with this group? I don't think there's anything fans should be really worried about. I mean, RJ Davis took a lot of shots today, but, you know, um, that's who he is. Maybe a, maybe a little Caleb bit higher Lord. percentage than, than – I mean, sorry, Caleb, I, 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 Caleb <laughs> I, I'm doing the whole thing from last year. Caleb Love took a, took a lot more shots today. That That's the only thing I would – but, like, look, it is the same team that beat Duke at Duke. Granted, it was that's one of those. It was early in the season. The great thing about Arizona is they're in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 stinks. It just does. Okay, listen. I live in California. I grew up watching the Pac-12. I can. I and when my brother was an assistant, I used to. He used to send me all the texts of all the pros that are in the league, and they were. Colorado can beat you. Washington can probably beat you at home, but outside of that, there's not a lot of L's in that league. So, uh, am I a little bothered? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Um, and because they should be able to impose their will on Florida Atlantic. Part of it is this really unique setup with Florida Atlantic going to a Final Four and bringing everybody back. And part of it, and then Arizona losing a lot. But, like, look, you have Boswell's played a lot of basketball. Caleb Love's played, those guys played a lot of basketball. So, you're, when your backcourt's that veteran, you should be a little bit more comfortable in those games. Um, but again, I, I, I think I probably sound like Matt McCall right now. Like I'm not going to freak out. It's probably a good thing that you lost a game because no matter how much, like we can do the, you just lost to a team that lost to Bryant, right? Well, coach, they went to the final four, like they lost to Bryant. So uh, I think some of that can be good because when you have the early season success that they have, you can't tell them anything. Because they're like, Coach, that's good. It's working. Don't worry about it. We're good. Now, all right, take a couple L's. Now, all of a sudden, this is the this, coaches love this crap. Then you come back from Christmas, and we're going to figure out exactly how, how, to, how to get you, your guy's mind right. So, a little bit. I mean, I don't think they were as good as they played early on in the year. I don't think they're as bad, and these aren't bad losses, as they played recently. I think the truth is somewhere in between. Um, but I do think that they're they are physically imposing. I think they're better defensively than Arizona's been, so it gives a, a stronger likelihood of surviving early in the tournament. And yeah, you got to watch some shot selection stuff. And to, for Arizona to not have the best player on the floor is probably like that's the alarming thing. It shouldn't be a, a huge surprise, but Florida Atlantic had the best player on the floor. Arizona did not. That's different than anytime less 30 years in college basketball. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this. Arizona has played six games against teams that are currently ranked in the top 21 on Ken Palm. They won at Duke. They beat Michigan on a neutral court. They smacked Wisconsin at home. They lost to Purdue. It was effectively a road game. They beat Alabama in what was effectively a home game. And they lost to Florida Atlantic in double overtime in the thriller in what was a effectively a home game. So they're 4-2 and two and, 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 and look, Rob. And one of those, only one of those games is at home, so I, I think that that's a right. great and, result. And, right, and and the Alabama game that was at home. I mean, honestly, I didn't think he played great. 
Alabama missed a lot of open shots in that game, right? Where I thought they actually played really well today and just got beat from by a really good team. So sometimes the results are not indicative of how well you play. Don't get me wrong. They weren't perfect. There were some shot selection issues that, that I had. Um, but I, I actually thought they showed a whole lot of defensive toughness um, to, to get back in that game and and some tenacity, some nastiness a little bit. And I, I liked it. So I actually like this Arizona team maybe a little bit more for the NCAA tournament than I have some of the previous incarnations. Yeah, I really like Arizona as well. Listen, uh, we talked about FAU. I think my favorite and mo- the the conference title race that I am most interested in seeing play out this year is going to be in the American where FAU and Memphis are uh, are going to have a race to, to see who wins that league. Memphis today beat Vanderbilt. We are going to listen to Doug and Matt break down the Tigers and that win here in just a second. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. It is Saturday night. We have a great slate of college basketball that we are breaking down Um we just talked about FAU beating Arizona in one of the games uh, of uh, the weekend, one of the games of the season, and one of the best performances that you'll see from uh, podcast favorite Nellie Davis, um, which is a perfect pivot to Memphis because Memphis is going to be the team that FAU is competing with for the American Athletic Conference Championship this year. Memphis today beat Vanderbilt 77-75 to behind 28 points from David Jones, who – I mean, he's having an all-American caliber season. We'll get to that in a little bit when we talk about our midseason awards. But, um, Doug, I want to go to you first. Just, just how good is this Memphis team, and how good is this Memphis program? And, and you know, are they? I feel like they're a real threat with Naquan Tomlin to be able to make a run uh, deep in the tournament this year. Is that is that a, a, a crazy take? Not a crazy take. Not a crazy take. Um, some shooting shot selection questions. I would I would have. Uh, but Naquan Tomlin's a, he's a dog. I like him a lot. And with that addition is going to, should only help him. Like we don't know how, what it does to to the locker room in terms of somebody's minutes are going to get pinched a little bit. Um, I mean, you have probably the oldest point guard in the country, right? Um, so you, you're, you're good there in terms of experience. He's decades seen it all. Um, and you have some guys that, that can, that can give you 30 in a night. Um, and I do think that, and maybe this is a, a Matt can speak to it. Like, look, 
I, I, Penny was probably not super ready when he got the job, but again, he knew basketball a ton. It's just, it's more a question of running a program than it was actually coaching the team in the games because he had coached previously because he's, he's played that much. But now that you've coached these games and you have veteran players, you have older players, I think he's coaching better. I, I think it's coaches can get better too. You know, it's like we always talk about a player progression and their, their bell curve. We don't talk about coaches. I think Penny's better. So yeah, I'm buying. I, I think they're going to be, it's going to be a war between the two of them. And Memphis is a program that should be super competitive in this era because I think Memphis's mm-hmm. grant aid program mm-hmm. has always been seen as a little bit different than most of the teams they're competing against. And now there are no rules. So, so, <laughs> Hey, if FedEx one FedEx doesn't have to like funnel it through somebody's brother to get 250 grand to get a, to get a player anymore. Now they can just give it to the collective or have them represented. So <laughs> I, I, this is, like a dream – wait, Memphis like, wait, we can buy kids and we don't have to fake it anymore? It's awesome. How do we do that? Like, you just do it. So, yeah, I think Memphis is fine, man. Honestly, like, here, here's one other issue. Here's one other issue. Sorry, sorry, sorry Matt, I'm not trying to pinch your time. I apologize. Nope. No, 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 no. You're good. You, you got it. Penny's learned the hard way. Can't have all Memphis kids, man. You just can't. Like, that is – the height of toxicity. You just can't. Uh, my, my dad, my late father, uh, was a, a walk-on, a JV player at Ohio State when they, when they had John Havlicek and Bob Knight and, and, the, and those guys and Jerry Lucas. And he took a class that, um, uh, that Woody Hayes used to teach. And Woody Hayes would say he wouldn't take a kid from Columbus unless he'd be an all-league player by his junior year and all-American by his senior year because – they just – the expectations are always exponentially higher, and every kid goes home like from Christmas and bitches about their head coach and how much the head coach – but when it's right there, and it's Memphis, and Memphis is a, 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 a town – it's a great basketball city, but all those – all their hanger-oners and all their supporters, they all think all their guys should be playing for the Grizzlies. They can play or whatever. It's just, it's just too toxic. So I think that's the other part is you got to get away from having a team wherever – look at John Calperi. When he first took over, it was all Memphis dudes. When they went to the national championship game, there weren't very many Memphis dudes. And again, it was you all can see the same thing with Penny. <laughs> yeah. I, ahead, I just want to say this. I, I just want to say I'm so happy that Doug is on this with me tonight because I'm always the guy that's advocating for the coaches. That's always saying <laughs> you got to let these coaches grow. You got to let them develop. Penny Hardaway's in year six right now, so. I don't care what his playing career was. I don't care all of his NBA accolades and all that. It's different when you slide into that seat and become a head coach. It's completely different, and you've got to go grow, go through some things. I think the point about recruiting Memphis, listen, Memphis has been good to me. I've coached some great p- players from Memphis, you know, just to name a few, Chris Chioza, Greg Pryor, uh, recruited Jalen Crutcher to Chattanooga. I ended up taking the UMass job. Probably should have stayed at Chattanooga. I had Jalen Crutcher and Rodney Chapman both <laughs> in our backcourt there before I took UMass. Uh, Jonathan Burroughs, Cook. I mean, there's some great players out of Memphis. But to Doug's point, you can't have a whole team of them because they're in their hometown. There's a lot of distractions for those guys. And I just think Penny knows now, you know, 
who he is as a head coach and who does he do a great job coaching and his culture and how does he build it and great player, but you got to give these coaches some time to grow and develop. And I'm so glad that Doug made that point because I feel like a broken record saying that point on field of 68 all the time. I'm always advocating for the coaches and give these well, guys it's, some it's time weird. and let it's, them it's figure weird. out who they Matt, are. Matt, Matt it's, it, it's weird. It's like, Rob, how long have you been doing this? Too long. But field of 68 has been a thing for three okay. years now. Okay. Are you better now than you were in year one? <laughs> yes. Okay. I mean, like, good, good to agree. You know, my, my teases are pretty good now. My teases have gotten better. No, but it's I'm like, listen, I, I've done, I've done national sports radio, okay, and games for twenty-one years, okay. And look, you you get into habits, and there's things you got to do better than. And here's another part, Matt. His staff's different, you know. And I think when he had he had Larry Brown that staff, and sometimes you know Larry Brown's a Hall of Famer, like, okay, but. He, he kind of, he's kind of an overcoacher a little bit in college, and he wasn't the head coach, right? And so then when you're trying to coach your team and you got this Hall of Famer sitting next to you, like, who do I listen to? And so he's made some adjustments there. It's the same thing when, I, I, when you do a radio show or you do a TV show. Like, some of it's not just the host or it, it's who's doing the camera, the mic, all this stuff and how it all works together. So I just – I agree with Matt, but it's, it's weird that it's like the one profession – where nobody thinks you can actually get better. You just, we make a determination over who you are and that's it. Like, yeah, you actually can get better. Now you can get lazy and mail it in and stop doing the work and stop watching the film. Okay. And, and skip out of, skip out of practice. Cause you got, I, I got a coach's show to do. I got to meet with somebody like some of them do that. Don't get me wrong. But by and large, especially at the same place when you're a motivated, you're a competitive guy. Like Penny Hardaway didn't become an all-time great player because he wasn't a super competitive dude, right? And when you're that competitive, it's your hometown, it's your dream job, and one that you, you really did kind of stab Tubby in the back to go get. Like at some point, you got to start winning. That, that competitive nature makes you want to get better. How do I get better? How do I fix this thing? And I think they figured some of it out. Yeah. All right. Real quick. This is where we got to talk about vaulted vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is a place you can store your own predictions forever. And by using the vaulted challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the vaulted app. That's V L T E D to challenge your friends, store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. McCall, here is my vaulted challenge to you today here on the year of our Lord, 2023, December 23rd, two days before Santa is going to show up. I am saying that it will be FAU and not Memphis that is cutting down the nets as the American Athletic Conference champion. 30 seconds. Tell me why I'm right or wrong. I just think you're right because of the retention of FAU's team. I think the uh, having all those guys back, I think they're battle-tested. They have a culture. They share the ball. They celebrate each other's success. I'm with you. I think this is a two-horse race right now in the American. I think it's going to come down to both those teams, but i got to give the nod to the FAU Owls just with everyone that comes back. John L. Davis, he is on my current All-American team, and I know we're going to get into that in a little bit here, but he's on my team, played like it tonight, so I'm going to give FAU the nod. All right, Doug, I want to talk a little bit about the Big East big picture. We spent a lot of time on UConn already. We don't have to dive too deep into this, but Providence, 
2-0. They knocked off Butler in overtime. Butler was pretty impressive to me. They got down 15-0 at the start. They had to fly in this morning because of some plane trouble and still managed to take Providence to overtime in a building where they have only lost three times in the last three years. Uh, but the Providence Friars, 2-0. They're in first place in the Big East right now. How good are they? Are you buying them? Are they a team that can actually challenge for a Big East title in that conference? No, they, they won't challenge for a Big East title. Uh, but I do think that that second tier in the Big East is looking more and more impressive. And by that second tier, I mean Villanova and, and Providence. And I, would, I, I think we're, we're getting to that point to where maybe we consider putting Creighton in that second tier. Let, let's see. They had a bad shooting night by Villanova. Part of it was the matchups of Villanova, right? If you can, if you can run them off the line and you, can, you have a stretch five who can guard you inside, that's exactly how you attack them. That's what Colorado State did. They had better guard play than uh, than Creighton did. Better point guard play, and uh, they had a, had a stretch five. So we, we that that's the matchup for Creighton. But anyway, I don't. I the last time I was on, and when we talked off air, we've all said, "Hey, we know who those top teams are," and I think we know who the bottom is. Right? We know DePaul's at the bottom. Butler was has been thrust kind of in that second tier now. All of a sudden. And they're in that group with Providence, I guess, who was like between second and third tier, and Villanova, who had been really disappointing here in the non-conference. Now Villanova looks better. So um, I, I think, you know, Xavier down there with their injuries towards the bottom, just above DePaul, and then that big mix in the middle. And then at the top, I still think you're going to have UConn, um, where, like, obviously you lose to Seton Hall. That's, that's a weird one. Uh, and we'll see if they can hang on without clinging. Although, as we pointed out, they play most of the bottom of the league. By the way, did 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 Georgetown fly in day of the game today? Did what was that? That was among the most pathetic performances I've seen. Like I know Marquette's good. I know Pfizer's hard to play in. I know all that. But I mean, they had some live ball turnovers in transition. They're like, this is like a bad pickup game. It was awful. Um, anyway. I, I would put PC. I mean, like, you ain't going to the dunk and winning games. You're just not. And uh, I, I'm obviously impressed by Kay English, the two kids he brought over from George Mason are outstanding. And they played with great – they were ready to play. I mean, one of the things Matt pointed out is – and it's different when you're playing conference play. I get it. But this is sometimes a hard time of year to get kids ready to play because they sit down and they're out there, especially at home, right, because you're – if you're at home, you're going on the road. You're usually going home afterwards. You look at your phone, you look at your flight, you text to help people. Like everybody's like, well, I'm locked in, coach. And the coach walks out and they look at their phone, they're getting ready. That team is ready to play today. That that's that's coaching. Coaching is getting kids ready to play and getting to play th- their balls off. And and I thought Kim did a great job today. So I don't think they're gonna compete for the league championship. Uh, but I do think that they're a team that you know, the Oklahoma game kind of aside and a couple other non-conference weird ones aside, I think now you got to consider, okay, did the Big East go from four teams, maybe a fifth to, wow, this league is getting deeper because of what Nova did at Creighton and what Providence did and how surprising Butler is so far this year. Uh, Matt, Nova is the weirdest one to me because if you look at their resume right now, right, and you just take away everything that happened in uh, – in, in the big five, 
They've beaten Maryland in a game where they were up by like 30. They beat Texas Tech. They beat North Carolina. They beat Memphis in a game where they were up by 30 at one point. They beat UCLA. They beat Creighton in overtime on the road. And their only loss is in overtime at Kansas State. And then you throw in the big five stuff. They got beat by Penn. They got smacked by St. Joe's. And they put up 55 points in a dreadful performance against Drexel. What the hell's going on with Villanova, man? Please, can you make some sense of this to me? Because it makes absolutely no sense to me. You're Mr. Positivity. Give me something, man. Give me something here. <laughs> what? Well, I feel like every time I'm on with you, we got to talk about Villanova. Every single time. We, you you <laughs> yeah, jump on, we got to talk about no Villanova. Sense. I say the same thing. I'm giving the Chris Mack line. They're, they're Jekyll and Hyde. We don't know what we're getting. Um, like we alluded to with Penny Hardaway, Kyle Neptune's in his third year as a head coach. I've said this before, too. You have to give him time to figure out his team, to figure out his culture. He went to Fordham. He had a good year, and he kind of rejuvenated Fordham basketball and put some excitement into that program, and all of a sudden, you give him one year as a head coach there, right around 500, and all of a sudden, Jay Wright retires, and here's the Villanova job, right? Like, whoa, like, you know, like, if I would have gone to the University of Florida after one year at Chattanooga, now, it, it, would it have been a good hire? Sure, right. We, we won 29 games my first year. It was it was easy, right? And then somebody turned me everything. Was I ready for that big of a step at that point in time in my career without going through some level of adversity and learning about culture and your team and how to handle situations in your locker room and who's upset, who's all that? Like, there's so much that goes into it. It has such little to do with X's and O's. The X's and O's is the easy piece. And Kyle Neptune's figuring that out, right? I mean, you got a guy like Tyler Burton. We talked about him the other day. You're looking at a guy, when you watched him play at Richmond, he looked like an NBA player, right? He comes down. You can put him in ball screens. He can play. He can create. He's got the size. He makes the jump to Villanova. And if you're recruiting him and you take him in the portal, you're, this is a no-brainer because he's got high character. He's graduated from Richmond. He's done all these things. And you're injecting him in here thinking he's going to be the exact same player, which is just not the case. And he's learning how to manage all that and deal with that. So, that's why you've seen them maybe drop some games that they shouldn't have dropped. And it's a very difficult situation for him to take over, even though he's never turning that down. He's got an opportunity to go to back to a place that he won a national championship and now be the head coach. But it's hard. And you got to give him time to grow and develop. And I've said it a million yeah. times. I'm just so happy Doug came <laughs> on here and reiterated my point earlier about Penny Hardaway. And then here's, right, the, here's the other part, Rob. Here, here's the other part. Here's the other part about the Big Five stuff, right? Okay, everybody in Philly knows the Nova kids. They got like a lot of NIL. They're royalty. Okay, and Nova has been running roughshod over the Big Five for a decade. Okay, not those kids in Nova uniforms right now. They haven't done anything. They're they're a copy of a copy. You guys ever watch Multiplicity? Remember that movie, Multiplicity? <laughs> and the copy, the copy was like shaving his tongue. Right, like they what are a representing a culture that they they represent a culture they got nothing to do with. Right, so meanwhile in the Big Five, like we get to play Nova. I wish I, I want to be Nova. That's a hard deal. Okay, and and it's a it's a real thing that this is a real thing with these games is that teams with a lot of nil you you come out slipping. All those kids they're they think they're playing for next year's paycheck. If I impress this coach, I'm going to be on that payroll next year. That's a real thing that they talk about, and I think that's part of it. And and then you have the, like, you're following God. 
that's who you're following. You know, it's the job no one should ever take, but you can't turn it down. You are following no God. You're following Jay no Wright. No doubt. Mm-hmm. I and, just want to know which and here, one, 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 one last thing. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. What fill play? I'm sorry. I, I just want to know which Villanova player you think is sitting there shaving his tongue. If what? <laughs> <laughs> that was such a great. No, but, it, it, but 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 the, the 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 part to it that that to me is it's like we have these expectations of Villanova. Remember, like Villanova was a high major school slipped into like a low like a mid major league. They were ahead of the curve. Remember, they were finishing mid pack in the in the old Big East, and then they were dominant. The rest of that league has gotten really good. They've been the rising tide that's lifted all this. So you have – it's not – everybody looks at it like in just a, a vacuum. Well, Kyle Neptune isn't as good as Jay Wright. Well, no, duh. Jay Wright, you know. Jay Wright got better. I played against Jay Wright's team. We beat him when he was at Hofstra. They weren't – they had two pros. We smacked them. They weren't doing all the stuff they do now, backing dudes in and, and all the culture things they did. Like, he got better and learned and, and became – legitimately the best coach in America. But besides that, okay, the rest of that league has gotten really good. And they added UConn in. So I, I think there's a there's a level of understanding that Rob you have, that Matt has. I think basketball fans that watch field I totally understand. But the outside world doesn't. It's that like when you're all the way up here, yes, some arrogance creeps in, then your place head coach. Everybody thinks that they're the previous guy at the school. All that's part of it. The other part of it is everybody wants a piece of Nova, and everybody's going to be better. Be, everybody in the league's going to be better. And then in the Big Five, everybody wants a shot at you because not only do they want to beat Nova because you've dominated the Big Five, but they want a piece of that NIL that you got. Yep. All right, let's get into some of our uh, – I don't know if we want to call them midseason awards, um, first semester awards. Uh, pre-holiday awards, whatever you want to call it. But let's just roll through real quick some of the uh, the player of the year, the portal out of the year, the freshman of the year, the coach of the year, and our first small Americans here. Um, we can get through these pretty quickly. I think we all agree. Zach Eady, national player of the year right now. Is there is there any reason to go against it? No? No. Okay, good. We can move on. That no. makes that one easy. This this will be an interesting one. The, the portal out of the year. Uh, McCall, I'll go to you first on this one. Whew, the portal portal out of the year. I, I think going into today, I, I would say Caleb Love. I thought he was he's been outstanding for Arizona. I mean, to think all of the heat he got last year, and you talk about Carolina, their culture, everything. It was he took a lot of that, and I, you know, the fact that he's doing what he's doing, and Arizona's playing at the level that they're playing at. I'm I'm going to give him the nod, Doug. JV JV on McCullum at uh, at uh, at Oklahoma. Now look, I feel bad for those Siena guys, right? Two years in a row, they lose studs, and one goes to Penn State and kills it. Now another one's at Oklahoma. But like, look, Oklahoma was floundering. They they were floundering, and I know they made some others. Jalen Moore at the four, and um. I think it's Darth Hart is comes off the bench is a great shooter. They they've added a bunch in in the portal, but McCull- he's a he's a dude now. Uh, he's probably about six one and a half. He's averaging about sixteen a game, three assists a game. But he can play some point and guard. Uh, and Oklahoma was competitive with North Carolina. You know we talked about Providence like they smacked Providence, smacked them. 
Um, Oklahoma's like legit good, and I think he's. I mean, I kind of saved that program a little bit. He's really, really good. He's a huge part yeah. of what OU's doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I, so I had uh, I had three guys written down. One was Kashad Johnson at Arizona. One was Hunter Dickinson at Kansas. But the guy that I'm going to go with, David Jones at Memphis, he's averaging like 24 a game. I think over the last eight games, he's been the highest scoring player in college basketball. He had 28 tonight and went over Vanderbilt. He had 25 the other night going up against Ryan Dunn or Reese Beekman, two of the best on-ball defenders in the sport. Um, he is the reason why. In my mind, Memphis has been able to be a team that is currently sitting here ranked in the top 25, uh, being talked about as a Final Four sleeper. All right, freshman of the year. Doug, why don't you go first? I'm going pa- to pass the mic to, to, to Matt because he's really, really oh, excited about his freshman of the year. <laughs> yeah, he's really he's excited about his freshman of the year. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Reed Shepard. I'm all in. I, I just think his unselfishness. He picked a school that he's always wanted to go to, and he plays with such great passion for that school. And he's unselfish. He comes off the bench. I mean, that's culture. You know, I mean, how many guys that are playing at the level that he's playing at would be willing to come off the bench? And he is. And I know Dillingham is too, but I just think he impacts the game in so many different ways. And he has a passion for playing at his school. And you're talking about a Florida Gator alum. So for me to talk about Kentucky at this high level is not an easy thing for me to do. But, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm giving it to him. I, I'm giving it to him. And you could give it to a number of guys on his team, but I got to give it to him. Yeah. I'm actually going to give it to Dillingham. I'm giving it to Dillingham because he's my son's favorite player. And because uh, he came out to Southern California and worked out uh, last spring. And I had seen him, you know, I would seen the overtime stuff. And I was just like, I don't know, man, if you can – be that guy, just go get buckets in college basketball. It's almost like an NBA role, right? Or that, that Bobby Jackson role or the Jason Terry role. Just come in, don't worry about position, just come get buckets. And I would actually get, I'd give credit to John Calipari. He's not trying to change him. He's not trying to make him into a traditional two guard or a traditional point guard or, you know, he, he just let him go. And if it, it gets bad, he takes him out and then he gives him another shot and then just kind of roll with it. But I'm going to go with Dillingham just because he's fun to watch because I agree with everything you said about Shepard and they're, they're, they're opposites. You know, Shepard does everything you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. And a really good athlete, solid, smart, makes shots. Got a little stuff to him too. Dillingham's just wild. But man, when you, (laughs) when he puts in three or four buckets in a row, you're like, I just, this kid can't be stopped. He's awesome. I'm going to go with Dillingham. Yeah, Dillingham was a guy that I had written down. I don't hate the Reed Shepard pick at all. I love those two dudes. I love that they come off the bench. I'm gonna part of my uh, one of these awards we're gonna give has to do with uh, with both of those players. So I'm gonna pivot since you guys stole the best ones. I'm gonna go with Jacoby Walter at Baylor. Just the the fact that he's the the shot maker that he is. He's as efficient as he is as a freshman. He can contribute on the defensive end. I think that his impact on Baylor is why they are good enough to be able to compete at the top of that Big Twelve. Go ahead, Doug. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, I had. Um, I had a coach who was on the USA basketball staff tell me, you know, like two years ago, he, he, he said, you know, one of these kids that doesn't make USA basketball, it's going to be the better because of it. And Jacoby Walter was that guy. Didn't make, didn't make it. And then just got in the gym and got better. And he's a stud. That's a good call. Yeah. He's been killing it. All right. This is an interesting one. I'm going to be very curious to see where you guys go on this coach of the year. Doug, can we go to you first on this one? Are you good? No, go to the coach for the coach of the year because I, I like to hear how Matt's brain, Matt, Matt's, Matt's brain thinks. 
Give me Mark Byington, James Madison, 12-0 right now. Knocked off Michigan State to start the season off. It's doing an unbelievable job. They're going to compete for the title in their league. Uh, you know, to go 12-0 and pre-Christmas, you know, at that level is super impressive. I'm going Mark Byington from James Madison. Doug? Um, uh, this one's going to surprise you. Now, look, I think – we all know that Illinois is has a lot of resources, right? Brad mm-hmm. makes a lot of money. They got good NIL. They got great fan support. But I always marvel at coaches that, and Calipari is like this as well, that are doing things differently. They're playing a different style of basketball. Okay, he's not running spread. You know, he's four out or five out. He's letting him go. He's kind of playing without a point guard, but they're dangerous as hell. They pick some out of the portal. They've done a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm going to go Brad Underwood at, at, at Illinois. I think he's done a fantastic job. So Brad was my runner-up I, and I, for all of the reasons that you just mentioned, mostly that they're as good as they are without a point guard. The guy that I have right now as the midseason coach of the year might shock a lot of people, but I'm going to go with John Calipari for a number of reasons, sure. the biggest one of which is that he adjusted what he does to go and play that five-out style and not have to worry about having a big guy in the paint that you throw to in the post. He is winning with a whole bunch of freshmen, which is not something that happens in college basketball in 2023 anymore. And I think the the most important part of coaching more than anything else is getting guys to buy into roles. And we just mentioned Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard are the two best freshmen in college basketball. He got them both coming off the bench, and those dudes aren't complaining about it at all. He's got everybody bought in. I'm in on the, the Wildcats. I'm going to give Coach Cal – Midseason Coach of the Year. All right, first team All Americans. We we got to go to McCall first on this one because Doug keeps passing the baton every time I try to give it to him. So McCall, <laughs> give me your first team All Americans here. So you you want me to go through all five? We're going one at a time. What are we doing here? Did we did, we, did we do did we, did we didn't do a graphic? Oh, okay. Yeah, where's the graphic? Okay, <laughs> there, there, we go. Go. there we go. Oh, Tyron Grant McCall? Foster. That's I like that call. That's a good one. He is, uh, first of all, I mean, Isaiah Stevens and what he's doing to Colorado State, Nico Medved, unbelievable year this year. You know, them in New Mexico in that conference, that's what it will come down to. It's crazy to think that they're going to play the first game coming out of Christmas in conference play. Terrence Shannon, Doug alluded to it, what Illinois is doing this year. You saw them line up and play against FAU. Um, and he was by far the best player on the floor. I, I, you know, I had Tyron Grant Foster in a game earlier this season out there in the Arizona tip-off, one of the best stories in all of college basketball to come back um, from what he has and, and to play at the level. You want to talk about an NBA player and the guy that looks like an NBA player. If you haven't seen him play, he's athletic. He makes threes. He can put the ball on the ground. He can defend. He can switch. Um, he, he's that guy. Uh, Nellie Davis – uh, had 35 tonight and nine rebounds. I don't think he gets enough credit for how he rebounds the basketball. When you watch them play on defense, he's always blocking out. I'm putting him in my All-American, and then no surprise to anyone, Zach Eady is rounding out my top five. Go ahead, Doug. So mine's a little, mine's a little different. If you guys want to put my, my uh, graphic up on screen. So I, I went with another former Texas Tech player and Kevin McCullough. Uh, and I, I Tristan Newton didn't play great tonight, but he has had some unbelievable games and played at a very high level so far this season. And I got Tyler Kolick as uh, as my point guard on this team. I mean, I'd, 
Um, I, I know that, that Jeff has said continually he's the best point guard in the country. I, I find it really hard to find flaws with how Tyler plays. Obviously, it didn't go well the other night when they lost to Providence. Um, but that's my squad. So you got Tristan Newton, Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCullough, Tyler Kolick, and Zach Eadie. One of the things that we found out from uh, our fashion correspondent, Cam Jones, is that Tyler Kolick plays in just straight-up boxers. It's not boxer briefs. He's not playing in, like, the uh, the compression shorts. He's not playing in the underarmors. He just goes straight up with the boxers that you get from, like, a 7-Eleven or a Walgreens, which uh, is one of the more um, – Wait, wait, what 7-Eleven sells boxers? What 7-Eleven sells boxers? Just, like, regular old, like, Hanes boxers, like the cheapest – No, I know, but what, seven, what, se- what 7-Eleven sells boxers? That's my question. You said you can go to 7-Eleven and <laughs> get boxers. What 7-Eleven goes by? I'm just I'm just quoting Cam Jones. Whichever one no Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones go to. Yeah. You think, you think Tyler Kolick cares? I think Tyler Kolick would show up with just shorts on and nothing else and he's still gonna go. That's a very games. listen, that's a that's a very nineties thing. Like I'm telling you, we used nineties we used to do boxers playing boxers. And then yeah. and then this is a real story, okay? The late great John McLeod, my coach at Notre Dame, we had jock straps and we had jock strap checks. And <laughs> our center our starting our center was the freshman, Phil Hickey from Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. And he got caught with no jock strap one day at practice. And he called him the team. He said, Notre Dame, you got to protect those testicles. Those are your future. Where are your jock straps? <laughs> okay, let's do three-man weave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, uh, all right. And to all, a good night. To all, a good night. You get my All American team up there. I'll, I'll roll through real quick. I agree with you, McCall. I PJ love Hall, love PJ Hall. What he's doing, it's unbelievable. It's- Kevin McCullough and Terrence Shannon have both had fantastic seasons. Everyone knows Zach Eady's going to be up there, but PJ Hall is a guy that I want to talk about. Dagan has him listed as a center. Nah, that guy is a, is a is as four as a four gets. Um, he's been shooting threes. He's been playing defense. He passes the ball. He's a fifth-year senior. He's tough as hell. He's strong. Uh, I think that Jarrell uh, McNeil was on here the other night and said that he's built like an action figurine, and uh, yeah. and that dude is an absolute monster. He's having an unbelievable season, an All-American caliber season, and uh, and I just I think he needs the recognition for it. So, um, listen, guys, this has been a blast. Uh, you're not going to hear from us until – December 28th, our next live show will be five days from now. But we also have a show that is coming tomorrow. It's pre-recorded. It is the Christmas Eve Spectacular. We are going to give out Christmas gifts to 12 of the best teams in college basketball. You can see Doug Gottlieb is over there fired up. So for Coach Matt McCall, for Doug Gottlieb. Time to move the elf. We got to move the elf. We got to move the elf. We got to go. I got to go move the elf. Uh, We will see you guys again after the holiday. Be safe, be well, and enjoy the time with your families.